Welcome to another episode of El Cafecito. My name is Leonardo Casenza. I'm your host for this second season, and the quarantine triggers me. Hi, everyone. It's Anna, and I went to the dentist today, and it wasn't the best experience for my mental health. Hola, hello, Cubo. My name is Raquel, and I think that Latin American families need to have a conversation about mental health. Hello, everybody. My name is Domingo, and it is what it is. <laughs> Hello everyone, my name is Daniel and I think we should talk about prevention in mental health. Hey guys, I'm Daniel too, or Daniel, Danny, call me whatever. Um, and yeah, I feel that it's important to talk about mental health because having a healthy mind it can help us to save the world. Okay, so as you've guessed from the episode name and from what we've been talking here, it's our episode now is on mental health in the quarantine. And it's an important topic that is not discussed as much in Latin America. I would say in Brazil, certainly. I don't know about your countries, but I'd, I'd guess it's something similar too. It's a huge taboo to talk about mental health in Latin America, and we're here to talk about it. Um, and it involves mental health awareness. That's something that I got in contact with in Canada a lot. And I think that this Canadian experience was really nice for me to be able to understand what is mental health awareness and to to notice that it's uh, an external issue and but also an internal issue. So you have external contextual factors that affect your mental health, but there's also internal. And then that's when you talk about mental illness and you talk about depression and anxiety. You have also internal factors that affect your mental health. But as we're talking about the quarantine here, I'd like to start with the external contextual ones, because I think these are the, the important one to talk about here. Um, how is, how, 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 have, what's, how have you been feeling in this quarantine? Is this, uh, how's the context for you in this mental health state during this global pandemic? Because I know it can be really stressful and it has certainly increased the number of, of, of mental health issues among people that didn't have mental health issues before and have mental illness. So it's important to talk about it. And it's interesting to see how it affects deeply both um, people that don't have it and have it. So my, my first question is, how is how, how's the context um, right now for us in mental health? Um, what do you guys feel is affecting us contextually nowadays? Yeah, great. Great way to start this one off, Leo. Well, okay, we'll start with me. I, I'm an anxious person, and so when quarantine started, my anxiety, my stress skyrocketed because I was worried about, you know, my parents, my grandmother. I was worried about everyone. I was worried about myself getting sick. What would that mean? While at the same time, I was stressed about finishing my degree. Uh, that was a big stressor at the same time. And on top of that, I was, I'm in the process of uh, starting my master's soon, so that was Another stressor for me because the, the university I'm going to was just sending us constant emails about like, maybe we'll be on campus, maybe not, like you can't defer. So a lot of these things came together to just make my anxiety way worse. Um, and to be real, like the month of April was the worst for me. I don't know about you guys, but that's the one where it hit me the hardest. I was unmotivated. I didn't want to do anything. I just stayed in my bed and played Animal Crossing. Literally, that's all I did. Uh, but I, I, I think right now, now that I've, I'm not in school anymore, I'm just kind of literally doing nothing, just accepting the con my context, what, I'm, what I have to deal with. Um, and I found that I 
I don't exercise. I'm not an athletic person, but I've started to exercise. And that's really helped me, you know, I can't control my life. I can't control the situations, but I can control that moment. And that's something that's really, really helped me. So I don't know if you guys have had similar experiences. Um, I'd love to hear. Yeah, my, I, I was, I had anxiety after finishing high school and starting college, but it was controlled. But my anxiety skyrocketed, skyrocketed in March when I had to be in isolation for 14 days when I returned from Argentina to Paraguay. I was alone in a little room, you know, with my own bathroom, having no contact with my family, having no schedule at all. And that caused my anxiety to go like, to rise really quickly. And it was like a real struggle. myself go. Like I didn't, I didn't myself, like I let my beard grow like to, um, to ugly proportions. I let my hair grow. I was a mess and I had to have like a really deep conversation with myself and with my family. And, and I decided to start taking little steps like to take, to take better care of myself and my mental health in order to return back to normal, you know? And it's been a, con a constant struggle. It's like one day at a time and I'm doing fine right now. Like I'm in my finals, like I'm taking my, my university finals and I'm, and I'm good. Like it's, it's been a weird ride, but it was stressful and as hell. Yeah, well, at least for, for me, um, I I like to plan things. So I had my summer, uh, like the activities I wanted to do, I was thinking about going to Ecuador to do research there. But then COVID happened and suddenly all my friends had to move out of residence and I some point I was the only one living um, in like my residence floor so I was by myself for, for an entire month and not knowing what was I gonna do not only like the next four months of summer but pretty much like the next week and how things were gonna um, like the, how the different things and activities I had how they were gonna change and I think I've already said this a couple of times in the past episodes, but I I had to deal with so many uncertainties and following like the type of person I am, I'm just ha I, I was just very anxious about my summer plans, my, my health, my family's health, and just how this pandemic is gonna have such um really uh typical uh, long-term effects on, on everyone. So as you guys mentioned before, uh, one of the things I, I did um, to deal with this feeling, I, for example, I started um, gardening, I started gardening, and I, I'm also trying to get into yoga. So that's another thing I've been trying to do. And just like trying to connect with friends and fam connect with friends and family and give myself some time to to relax and to try to to do all the things I want to do, but such in a like a slow um, pace, I'll say. I'm gonna play the devil's advocate here because I saw this cartoon on the New Yorker once that was this uh, man in a boat and it's a storm, and it says something like, "Oh, you should um, exercise more during this quarantine." 
you know, that's it's it's hard sometimes to engage even in the smallest activities. And I'm proud that you're you you've been able to to garden and you've been able to find other activities. I've been able to find mine. I'm starting my saxophone lessons now. Um, but it's definitely a challenge. Like the cor- <laughs> the quarantine has has um, has created these pressures for us to understand that sometimes we need to take this break, and that taking a break from life is important. Um, despite it being working from home or working from um, outside home, it's important to take this break. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, and I also saw, a, it was a picture in, on Instagram and they were saying that, so as um, in many cities in Latin America, like lockdowns are, are starting to, uh, like they're starting to reduce the measures. Um, they were saying like, you need to be, Um, respectful towards other like if you see people with like pimples if you see people that have gained weight like you just like you don't understand you don't know how um, hard has this current quarantine been for them so do not judge others because your situation is not anyway like similar towards like yours yours so I think it's, I don't know it's just crazy that sometimes we try to compare ourselves to others and how sometimes we can be so mean about it because our privilege might have influenced how and like the type of activities we did over quarantine but other people have had really um, tough times and um, really hard experiences that they have had to go through. I would like to share that first of all I was confused that's like how I can describe my experience like I remember this day Friday afternoon I was in a school doing my work I just received an email saying okay from next week Monday we're gonna start online classes I'm like what's that like do you eat that like how I'm supposed to have online classes I don't know what to do um since then um this process has been like a roller coaster For me at the beginning it was totally unbelievable. I was like, okay, I'm 20 years old and I'm, I'm, I'm living my first pandemic. Like, is this is normal? Like, what's going on in the world? We come from this like rough beginning of the year where we have these wildfires in Australia, where we have here in Canada, the uh, unfortunate attack to the airplane, where we have been dealing with different emotions. We're in the middle of the semester. We just come from Uh, midterms and now we have to deal with this pandemic it's like okay what should we do with my life right now should i keep studying it's time to drop out um i know what's going on and there were like too many emotions at the same time that i was like okay it's maybe try it's time to try to settle down a little bit take a break uh, a breath and say okay this is bad but it's not as it seems at the beginning. And it makes me confusing because I'm not the only one passing through the same phase. My friends from Colombia are going to the same stage as me and they are having trouble adapting to this new uh, type of experience. But I'm not, I'm not alone. My friends are there. My friends here are passing through the same thing and somehow we're like sharing the same stuff. So that's like by first, like I was confused. Now, like, Once time started passing, I started connecting with my friends, saying like, okay, you know, like, time to shout, like, let's compare life, like, what's going on in Canada, Daniel? Like, how are you doing there? You guys, how are you doing in Colombia? And it seems like two different worlds. Like, while here I have the ability of going out my house just because I want to, 
they have to be on under a, a strict lockdown because the stuff is getting really bad. We didn't have process. We didn't have time to process this. Like it was like, okay, guys, you just have to be in under lockdown. Deal with it. Like how I'm gonna deal with something I haven't experienced before in my life? What kind of like experience is this? You know what I mean? It's like a terror house. Like I'm just going for the first time and you're expecting me to be brave. Like that doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? So from the beginning, I'm like, okay, yeah, we're under the same pandemic, but we're not under the same pandemic. You know what I mean? You guys are, are under a strict lockdown. I'm under type of lockdown but it's like more voluntary my friends were asking me like what that means i'm like bro i don't even like i don't even recognize what's going on here so experience start to turn different and emotions too i don't feel the same as they feel because they feel trapped i feel trapped too but it's not the same jail it's totally different so from there like I start to analyze my context from privilege that I'm in a country that it's allowing me to go in outside with precautions and compared to my friends that they have to be at home all the time because they don't have one, another option. Police is being really abusive if they're, if they're going and if they're trying to go outside. It's a totally different reality that they have to deal with and that I have to share because they're my friends and they're telling me, but it's not something that I'm living. Now, I have to think, okay, I'm here by myself in this country where I have no family, just friends that I have been made with the past of time. My family is worried too. They're under the pandemic as well. They are not in another different world, but I'm wearing different countries and they're worried about me. So now I have to show myself brave, but how I'm going to show myself brave if I don't feel brave. I feel that I'm like under this big breakdown because course guys like I joined to the anxiety group I suffer from really bad anxiety and depression and it's hard to like don't let yourself like melt down and show your family that you are okay because everything that they want is that they 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 want they want to feel you that you're good that everything even though it's rough you are being as strong as much as you can but it's difficult so how you're gonna show through a phone call that you're doing fun when you're crying during the whole day it's totally hard and this this quarantine time has taught me that of course life is a huge roller coaster and especially when we're dealing about it when we're dealing with emotions because sometimes there are days that you're gonna feel totally up and you're gonna say okay this is gonna be my productive day i'm gonna do all the assignments that i didn't do during the whole semester and it's gonna be a beautiful day and the next day you're just crying because you couldn't finish the first one and you don't even know what to do with your life. So this time has taught me that yes, life is really rough, but we have the privilege that we have food, a roof and a place to sleep. And that even though circumstances are really, really different and at the same time, like funny enough, they are really similar. We can rely on others to keep going. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing. I There's one thing that you said that I found really interesting is how your friends in Colombia are living a different reality than we are here. Even though we're experiencing the same virus, it's different. Uh, Daniel, the other one. I don't like, know if you want to tell Yeah. Like, um, the Daniel in the other world you were talking about. Because I live in the other part where pandemic is totally different from other countries like Europe, like Canada, and we are like being suppressed of our normal lives 
So it's been a roller coaster for me and I don't have like the feelings to afford it yet. I mean, I feel like a hopeless one day and then I feel like there's hope for us, but then we see like other countries are being freed of the virus, but we are having like a really bad situation right now. Um, for me, it's like, it's been like a, a thing to deal with depression, with anxiety, with, I don't know, the, the fear for the future because you don't know what to do here. You you are just being told to stay at home and if you go out, you are going to be fined and you are going to pay money and nothing else. You don't know what's going to be the next day, what are the government, uh, what is the government that will tell you the next day. And I think uh, the, the most horrible uh, thing we're having here at least for me is watching how different inside my city the people are taking this pandemic because uh, i mean like daniel says uh, we have to be thankful because we have a place to sleep uh food to eat but you see people in front of you asking for money asking for a place to live uh, asking for uh, a help because they don't have anything and it's like quite frustrating above all other things because you can do anything for them and uh, because you are like suppressed with all the tools you used to have and we don't know what to do I mean it's like hopeless everywhere yeah and, and going back with, with what both Daniel said with people that, that we are lucky enough to have a roof, a food, and a bed to sleep on. That really caused like an internal struggle with me in, in terms of mental health because I was like, oh my God, there's people that are having it like a hundred times worse than me. Why I am feeling this way being with the fact that I am better, like I'm like right now I'm living better than them without time. Like they have to struggle to find food and everything. And that's a, like, that's a real struggle compared to like me being anxious about online classes. You know, I had a really strong struggle with that and I still can't come to terms about that. That's so you, feel, you feel guilty. I mean, you say, but there, is pe there are people around us having really bad situations and you are just worried about uh, the thing that you can go out and you feel guilty about your feelings. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the worst thing. The quarantine has definitely relocated how we experience ourselves, right? Because um, as Danielle, as Danny was saying, um, we compare ourselves with people that are in, in worse positions to um, to which we are in, and we're and we're really considering whether the most basic aspects of our of our health and our like the like the most basic aspects of our pyramid. And it can, you can also, you can also kind of think of it in the in the opposite way. It's I feel kind of jealousy when I can see people um, traveling and going outside. I think in Canada there's a lot of friends that were able or have been able to walk outside and they don't even have to wear masks and masks is not a thing. And and even worse conditions. So you feel a, a bit of jealousy of going like, oh wow, this person has this person is able to go to the supermarket without without worrying about the virus and here i am having to like sanitize my hands all the time and 
and go out with going out with this anxiety that something's going to happen. Yeah. I stopped, I stopped going to the supermarket because it increased my anxiety like during the pandemic. I went one again because I was with my mask and I was really hot and I started like sweating a little bit and I started getting worried that people were going to see me that way and call the cops or something like that because they thought I had covid or something like that. Like I was really paranoid in the supermarket and I told my mother never again like I haven't stepped on a supermarket like since the beginning of the pandemic it's like you have the feeling that you have the virus like eight of nine times a day yes yes it happened to me in isolation it happens to me right now like yesterday i coughed two times and i was like oh my god i have the virus you know yeah that's actually funny i've already gotten tested uh three times for the virus because i'm paranoid um but the last time actually And maybe we can segue into this was I got a call from public health telling me that I might have been exposed to someone who had the virus. And that honestly made me feel terrible that I th I thought I had it. I so I ran that morning to go get tested and you know, I'm negative, nothing happened. But it also got me thinking like how privileged I am that I can just get in a taxi and go get tested for free. I didn't have to pay $1 nothing. Got my test got my test in 24 hours and I do I do agree with what a lot of you guys are saying I feel a lot of guilt I feel jealousy sometimes too but it's mostly guilt and especially with my relatives back home who you know they are experiencing something completely different my grandmother is experiencing a different reality and I'm wondering if you guys you know want to talk a little bit more about how we can cope with guilt and what what that means Hey, like, I would like to also compliment in terms of like mental health resources, how here in Canada we're like privileged on having these resources right on our hands. Or at least us as university students, we know that. I know that, for example, at my school, at your university, we come with counseling like 24-7 and anytime that we want to email them or like access to any kind of a additional resource they're going they're will to help us because they they believe in the priority of mental health and they know that this struggle is real at least for us as an international students I, i was receiving a lot of emails they like offering me support because they know that this is not a like easy time like neither for us was like something that we were prepared for like COVID wasn't here like to say, hey guys, uh, I'm just gonna ruin your summer plans, just be ready. You know what I mean? Like it didn't come with a instructions manual saying, okay, this is COVID, well, you should cope and do this, this and that, right? We weren't prepared for this. And I was telling my friends that this is actually a traumatic experience. When you are not ready for something that is gonna be really impactful in your life, that is considered a trauma, right? Because you weren't prepared. We didn't have a process to say, okay, this is happening this is how we're gonna act here at least here for example I as i was telling you guys i received an email on a friday afternoon and on monday i was having online classes my friends they had to stop studying for one two weeks until they set up and they had everything ready to move to online classes so like neither us were prepared for this and this was really shocking and the fact that here in canada like resources were prepared to respond really quickly on an efficient way to deal with this situation, it's like astonishing. Like the fact that we can count on a counselor right now, 
it's like it leads us to say, oh my God, this country is prepared for this. But like knowing that, for example, in Colombia, the data and the statistics about how intrafamiliar violence, uh, violence against women, violence against our own child have increased. Let us think about what's going on with the mental health in our countries. Like what's going on, what's going on with the mental organizations there? Where's the funding? Where's the first respondents? Why are doctors keep waiting for money? Why do they keep waiting for their paychecks for the months that they have been working? I know that we're gonna discuss a little bit more later, but like at least the response that we received here was really positive. And the fact that we can access to this really fast, like let me think that I'm really privileged right now. And what was the, the mental health response in your countries? Because in Brazil, we've barely been having a medical response to the COVID crisis in general. Imagine to a mental health crisis that's going on during a pandemic. So I wonder what was, what was the response that your countries in Latin America, other countries had um, with regards to COVID and, and with regards to mental health during COVID? Like right now, there is no information about that. It is just being told that mental disorders are going to increase a lot, but there are no plans for the current situation. So we don't yeah. know where to go if we have anxiety or depression symptoms. I don't know. Just like going to the hospital and wait for a psychiatrist. Yeah, but there like, is no public health programs for that. Yeah, the same here in Paraguay. The government, all resources in in the health department are being put towards COVID and we don't like we don't talk in my country about mental health like I, I was doing research about like if the suicide like the suicide rates or something like if they spiked and I haven't found anything they, they were like yeah like we're gonna find out after the pandemic it's over and so, stuff like that but there's like no resources allocated towards mental health like I have the like a really close experience to me because my 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 grandmother she suffers from depression right and she goes twice a month to the psychologist and she she was really struggling with being in isolation because of her age plus not being able to go to the psychologist at the point that she but she was really lucky because the psychologist could like do a consult via Skype so like she was that, that served as a type of contention like i think um, mental health workers and institutions could start using like zoom sky or stuff like that to communicate i know it's not like face to face or anything like that but it's something you know and so it's better than well talking about prevention i, I think it, it would be a good way to afford this problem but Latin American countries are just having trouble with this because not only we're not talking about mental health, but we don't have the tools to assess it. So like, for example, South American countries, like uh, they have of the total health budget, they just spend 2.1% in mental health and prevention is like uh, the 30% of this. So we don't have like the money, like the tools, like the ways to prevent or to get to the people before they get ill. So what are what are the different ways that your countries have approached the mental health issue? Because if the government can't provide it, we know that civil society can. 
And I maybe that's why the governments have put this in the hands of civil society. And in, in, the, in the sense of having, for example, online concerts and having yoga classes online, and gym classes online, and mental health prevention ads on Instagram, these small things that add up to the support and understanding of mental health. How are there any campaigns? Or are there any interesting supporting ideas that come from civil society in your countries that are, have supported mental health during COVID? That's, that's a great question, actually. And um, uh, a couple of my friends, they, they started their own, their own business um, with like, different things that they were really good at it. And then they saw that this was like the perfect time to actually explore it and see if like, it could be like, it could, the idea could develop. But um, uh, Wait, sorry, Raquel. What what's the business? What, yeah, what? so yeah, I was gonna going for that. Yeah, so one of them has uh, she started um, cooking classes. So I I'm one of her students now. So every Friday we have a cooking class for between like I think it's like up to two to three hours, depending on what we're making. But it's just a great opportunity because it's like people I know, and it's just like we are. Um, on a call for like, as I said, like two, three hours, uh, trying to have some like fun time cooking and like talking to each other. So that has been one of like a great activity. Um, but I know people that are started um, like dance classes and like fitness classes as well as uh, an opportunity, not only to share their, um, their hobbies, but at the same time, try to alleviate any kind of economic problem that they're going through. Um, another like class, uh, another friend. She started a uh, makeup, like another like makeup tutorials and makeup classes. And another project that another friend of mine started. She is this project that um, she's gonna interview. I think that every week she's gonna interview different friends of her, of her and they're gonna talk about. Oh, well, let's talk about mental health. Let's talk about makeup. Let's talk about like all these different things that maybe like one of us is passionate about and that we can share our knowledge, our resources, like the resources that we know with, with other people in the community. So I think that a common thing that all these activities have is that they are trying to connect people. And I think that's really, really important in these times where we are so distant from each other in terms of like physical distance. Um, so a lot of people are just trying to find spaces where they can connect with with other friends with other other like their family and just try to have a, a great time with them while doing something you enjoy or while trying something new uh, so I think that all these activities have so many uh, benefits for our mental wellness and just that will help us have a like feel proud of ourselves I, I also want to like play devil's advocate as leo said before i i find that these resources i love the idea but a lot of times like i know in my low points in my life i don't want to do any of that you know so how do we how do we address that i know in toronto right now there's um a couple therapists who are offering free counseling but what do you guys think how do we address 
that population. I don't know. I just wanted to compliment what you guys said in regards to what uh, our countries, like especially our own society, has to start doing. So I know that like some universities, if I'm not mistaken, in my country, I guess that La, La Universidad del Rosario start like offering free counseling for their students. Uh, guided by the, their own professors and some students, right? Because they say like, okay, the government, the government actually don't care about us, then we have to care about our people. You know what I mean? It's unfortunate. It's really frustrating, but it's a reality. And it's sad that our like countries decide to fund different stuff that maybe are not like really the main point right now. And they just as always left our people like suffering. But aside that fact, uh, coming back to the point that I feel that it's wonderful how we can show the uniqueness of the human being because our minds are totally different. We cope in a different way and everything is not going to work for everyone. So um, I have these friends that they start their own um, IGTV a program where they share um, physical exercise routines and stuff and they connect with people to do their routines. I have also friends that start their own like separate accounts, they share uh, photography. For example, in my case, in the group that I'm a volunteer teach to learn, we start like leading different workshops for the youth so they can engage and uh, they don't feel alone and, and they don't feel they don't feel that they are going through this situation by themselves but also I feel that doing nothing it's necessary to I wrote this article about called is quarantine taking its tool here are some tips to help you cope I wrote this article because at the beginning of the quarantine of the quarantine I was really really overwhelmed by the fact that people start saying if you didn't do something productive and if you didn't take something productive from this quarantine what are you doing? I'm sorry. What I'm doing? I'm taking a break. You guys, life is hard. We need to take break. It's necessary. We we're talking before the beginning of the program about what's a burnout. Why did you reach these points of anxiety and depression and that you feel desperate? It's because you just reached the point that you can handle this. It's a point where you need to rest. Why you have to keep on top of a lot of activities that you don't need. You just need to breathe. You just need to sleep. You just need to let feel yourself. Because if you don't feel yourself, how you are gonna help yourself to find solutions for what you are feeling. So on that on that sense, on that way, I wrote this article because social media, it's like constantly pushing us to following a stream. And sometimes we forget to follow ourselves and like let us, let us ask like, perform a proper introspection and say, okay, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling stressed, but why I'm feeling stressed? When like, when I wrote this article, I reached a point that I had to leave and I had to um, close my Instagram account because I was so overwhelmed that people were sharing this whole amount of activities that I wasn't interested to do. Because I was feeling that I had to sleep and I had to cry and I have to be on my room doing nothing because that's how I felt well and that's how I start finding myself again sometimes we just lost and we we just let ourselves go by the same by the same stream when we actually need ourselves and we are calling for help but the help is on us so my invitation here is that 
before actually start performing these activities like this cooking or this uh, yoga class or whatever, if you're planning to do so, just do it because you want to do it, not because somebody else is pushing you to do something productive. Listen, in this world, in the world that pushes us to be productive, to be, to constantly be doing something and to constantly fill up the gas that we have in our life to this amount of activities, we have to let, let ourselves feel. And you have to learn how to do a proper introspection in order to know yourself and in order to know what's best for you. I mean, I, I, can, I agree with what you're saying and I think it's very, very important. But at the same time, I do think that by doing all these other activities, like people can gain, they can distract themselves from what's happening. So if gardening is not for you, you don't like, you don't have to do that. But if by gardening, you find a way to connect with nature, to connect with yourself, to think, to uh, analyze your way, to just like do gardening, to, to grab the soil, to plant stuff, like that's, that's on you. And I do feel that we need, like, we need our governments, we need like the civil society to, to offer these opportunities for the ones that want to join. But for the ones that don't want to join, for sure, they can have their space and their time to heal, to try to understand what they're feeling, to try to get to know what they want to do with, like, what, with their emotions. Uh, and you're absolutely... We need to find a balance between both things. So, like, for sure, not doing all these things. Like, I'm not going to do all these activities in a day because I'm just going to feel very exa exhausted about them. But if I, today, I want to do gardening, I will do so. So I just feel that maybe I'm just confused about what you said, uh, but I do feel that it's better to have both opportunities and it's up to you if you want to do one or the other one. Or you yeah, can and, do both. and you're yeah. absolutely right. So just to wrap up with my thought, my invitation is to, at the moment that you perform an intros introspection, and I just want to remind you what's an introspection. Introspection is the process of you analyzing how you're feeling and why you're feeling that way. Based on that, you start thinking, okay, if I'm feeling sad, and I know that I'm feeling sad because let's say during quarantine, I'm not like meeting my friends often, then you start finding a solution, right? And the solution will be, okay, I'm gonna join with my friends to, I don't know, a reading club through Zoom, let's say. But this whole process, you're performing it because you want to do it. And my point here is that during quarantine, I feel that social media was pressuring us to this bunch of stuff that sometimes we didn't need. And that sometimes didn't allow us to have our own space. And for sure, we need to do different stuff, feel good with ourselves. Like, different activities work different for different people. Like, coping mechanisms are not the same for all people, right? For example, your coping mechanism could be doing one gardening, and it's wonderful, it's nice, that works for you. Maybe my coping mechanism will be helping uh, like youth through different workshops. Or maybe Daniel Valencia coping mechanism will be like, I don't know, cooking or something like that. Everyone has different coping mechanisms. And that's nice. That's the uniqueness of the human being. My point is here that when you are planning to use your coping mechanism, it's because you are convinced that what you are doing is going to make you happy and it's going to help you to grow and it's going to help you to feel good. Not because somebody else or like any stream is pushing you to do. Yeah, I what Danny is saying, I completely agree in the sense that this pressure, this pressure to conform and this pressure to produce is so intense that you end up um, getting a pressure to produce in your resting activities. So you're pressured to 
to play a, play an instrument or you're pressured to um, do gardening you're pressured you're pressured to engage in an activity that will give you pleasure and that pressure can be actually um, counterproductive because you end up held back um, from the possibilities of, of activities that you could produce um, from this anxiety well, what you're talking about I think the key thing to have in your mind is that you have to stop comparing to others and I think this would be like like uh, I think we have to know our and I think we have to approach in social social media because you're being pushed with every publication, everything you see on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, like the other ones are doing a whole different things that you're doing. But uh, I think that the key thing is to follow your desire and to do what you think you could better do day per day. Like you want to do nothing, like the, the Italians say, il dolce far niente, like a way of life to do nothing, and it's good to do this. And if you want the other way like, to study, to go walking, to see a friend, like that's good. And the time we're having and the the feelings we are having in this time of emergency is like a different thing we have to afford from other people. They can feel that they are having a good time and we have, we're having a bad time, but both are good things to live like in this pandemic. So I, I think uh, stop comparing yourself is a good way to approach anxiety during these times. I don't know if you, it's like the opportunity we're having to do whatever we uh, always wanted to do. Like we, we don't have the pressure to work, to be doing the things we're expected to do, like studying, like going anywhere. Like you have to stop, like accept that your reality has been suppressed and that it's good to follow your heart, to follow, to follow your wishes and go for them like in the ways we can do during this time yeah that's beautifully said and i completely agree don't don't pressure yourself right now it's not about competing or doing what's on instagram it's do what you want for you and and to follow up with that i have a question for for you three so we've talked about what governments have done, what civil society has done. I want to know more about like your your own community. So, you know, Daniel, uh, Daniel, you're in Pereira, the other Daniel, you're here in Toronto, Domingo, you're in your city in Paraguay. Like, what have you seen your community do? Because I know here in Toronto, there's a Facebook group called Caremongering, where if someone is experiencing hunger, they need money for whatever, or they just need someone to talk to, they can post it on the Facebook group and there's thousands of people there ready to help. So have you seen any initiatives like that? Like there's so many people uh, who need uh, help, who need food that uh, I've seen like, uh, especially in our own churches and the priests that are having like the initiative to collect food, to share with uh, impoverished people. Um, of course, the government is trying to do something about, but uh, 
it's not like the good thing and you know that they can spend it in other ways but i think um, especially colombians we have the um, quality of being, being like solidary and we take care of each other even if we don't have much to give mm. yeah and are these but on a different note are any of these initiatives addressing mental health no we, no? we are we are just uh, having like programs to uh, assure like food for people or and money so they can afford the month or pay their rents but not mental health i mean it's just like uh, you just um, live as you can and if you're having problems and um, better be grateful because you have food but it, it's like the, the the guilty we were talking about like you don't have the right to think about your boredom your problems your anxiety because you're living and you're having like food and nothing else matter, matters. Yeah, uh, same here in Paraguay. Like most, most people rallied in providing food for people that did not have food. There have been some cases, but little cases in which psychologists posted their, their phone numbers or their Skype um, username and said, in case you need help, and I, please I think contact me. They were like, those were a few cases, like four to five psychologists they did that. It's like very, very isolated. And I think that mental health programs are being created right now by only around young people because they are having like the idea that mental health is like a thing we have to afford. And I know just one example of a close friend who they created a program and she's working with the government in a big city and she offers like free um, a free talking especially with people who lost families because of the virus and there is no other examples i can tell you about because i don't know maybe they do they are created but they don't reach enough people or they don't have the means to yeah, get like to that, people. Daniel Valencia was saying, it's like, the, the, the rest is like privilege, you know, it's like that to live. You know? well, it's, I... it's like mental health is just, I think, uh, we can talk about here if you are like rich, like if you have the privileges to worry about it. Because if you, if you have like uh, troubles with food, with money, with your house, it's like they, these are things you have to approach first and then your mental health, if you have enough time, if you have solved your other problems are going to be approached. So it's like we have like the, the culture of privileged things. Yeah, well, just compliment them because I'm like so far from home right now. I just know like some small initiatives have taken place and as uh, Daniel was saying, they, they come from the youth, like from us, as uh, young people who are worried about mental health. Um, as, uh, as I was saying, like some university students start like uh, creating these small groups where they can lead um, small chat sessions to, to, you know, like try to cope and stuff. Um, also, because my mom is a counselor in a public primary school, 
I know that they have been uh, they have been trying to find different ways to keep connecting with the students that they have priority for doing counseling and stuff through uh, Zoom and like different media or just phone calls. It's sad, like honestly, that makes me sad because now comparing to Toronto that I'm here, for example, I work for this organization again called Teach to Learn, where we offer spaces for youth, um, uh, mainly for Latin youth to, to learn and to try to navigate the system. And in this case, like during quarantine, our program was mainly focused on taking care of those youth because they were really overwhelmed. Like they they are mostly on high school and they were having this huge amount of assignments that they didn't know how to do. Their professors, their teachers didn't know how to help them. So we end up like helping them work their homework. And also we were delivering workshops. So I remember that we had different kind of workshops. Like one of the ones that I gave was about anxiety. So what's anxiety and how to deal with anxiety, especially during that time. So uh, this program is actually funded by government, right? So because we're a nonprofit organization, we apply for grants. So the government like it's actually funding us, but because we have applied for the grants, but it's still like the government like support this kind of programs. Also for the black Craig community, because I, I'm close to uh, the Jane and Finch community and all the Black Craig community. Uh, they are still offering their counseling and like first responder lines um, services for anyone who was uh, having any trouble dealing with their emotions during quarantine. So like, it's really sad and like, honestly, that makes me feel really bad that my friends are still like under quarantine without optimum resources to cope with their emotions while I'm here in almost stage three, enjoying for summer, enjoying the summer and knowing that I can count on and rely on this whole amount of resources. So the only thing that this like whole situation allowed me to think is that we need to keep fighting for our rights in our countries because it's not fair. It's not fair that us just because because I know that our countries have their resources. Their resources are there. The people are missing. And we know that the people that says that they want to represent us, they are not representing us because right now we have increased rates on violence inside the houses, increased rates of violence against our children, increased rates of murders. Like Colombia has one of the most cases of murders for uh, against women. So why don't we open the eyes and see this reality? Why do I have to keep telling my friends that I have I have like a decent life in Canada and they can't? That's not fair to me. And that makes me really sad. So like my invitation here is like for all the people that are listening here in Latin America, please keep fighting. And we're gonna keep supporting you from here because you deserve what we have here right now. And every human being deserves resources for mental health. Wow, Danyan, I, I completely agree about we need to fight and we need to start demanding change. But I believe personally that change begins at home. And during the quarantine, I have started to try to speak to my parents about mental health. And I know my parents just brush it off like, no, no, you're just sad. Estás aburrida nada más. You know, like that's not, that doesn't exist. So what are some tools we can, uh, you know, especially for our listeners? Um, I know a lot of us are youth. Um, what, what can we do to start talking, especially in our families, and our Latin American families? I don't think there's a, 
a one size fits all answer for sure. But at least with my family, we we try to implement these. Um, there's this uh, wheel of colors and like feelings. So it's like try to find like what what color best describes how you're feeling, or how like I usually say, oh, how are you? And then I, I answer like estoy bien, like I'm fine. But like there's more than just that. I'm fine, right? So try to find better words to describe how you're feeling rather than saying, oh, I'm just tired or I'm just, I'm, I'm fine. Like, don't ask about it. Um, so just like maybe try to find words that best describe how you're feeling and try to communicate with your family about your emotions, your problems and whatever you want to share with them. Because I think that what really like what we need to improve is how we communicate with them and i do hope and i do believe that if we have a better communication we can actually be more respectful and understanding towards what the other one is going through um i will say also yeah there's no right and wrong uh, answer for this um for me i will say that first and foremost defeat the stereotypes because you know latin people my latinos you know that we have big stereotypes around mental health we just say that because we go we go to the psychologists we're just locos or we're just like out of our heads right and that's not true if we can defeat stereotypes against appearance against gender against sexuality against anything we can still defeating stereotypes against mental health and it's important let's start the conversation about that acknowledge your emotions what you feel is real you're not a robot you're not a tree you're a human being you're a person that feels that needs to express those feelings and that needs to acknowledge those feelings in order to address and find the right resources to deal with them as simple as that if you are open with your feelings with somebody else could be your friend could be your mom could be your family could be your teacher could be anyone if you are truly honest and open to a person acknowledge you, your emotions and let them feel and communicate them you can find the right resources to give solution to the different uh, difficult circumstances that you're facing and I think that the first thing we have to do to approach mental health in our families, in our society, is to let every person know that we are not just crazy, like we are not going to end in a mental hospital because we have like a mental issue to discuss. And I think that in our families, this is like the, the first thing we have to change. And the second one is to make them know that feelings are made to be spoken out. And if they get inside ourselves, they are going to be like uh, getting worse and worse and worse. And they finally are going to make us like grow different, like change our way of thinking. And maybe it will like change the way we act and it could be worse and it could be ending in a fatal situation just because we didn't speak out so it's like creating a, a space where you can talk without prejudice 
Yeah, I think the way like to defeat the, the stigma that we have surrounding mental health here in Latin America is to start having conversations about the thing with your family, with your closest friends, because like sometimes people don't look like it, but, but they are struggling. Like when I started talking about mental health with my friends, a lot of people said like, thank you for starting this conversation with me because like I realized that like the way I was feeling is not, I'm not supposed to be feeling this way. And I started doing a lot of like introspecting and find, found out like why I'm feeling this way. So I think it starts with conversations. Like I think conversations is the key to everything. I definitely agree. And we have to be cognizant of the inequalities that we have in our system and understand that from our different positionalities here, we've, we're well-traveled and we've gone different places. And we can use this privilege and we can use, and going back to what Anna said, the whole guilt thing, we can use this guilt productively and not only politically in trying to engage with better mental health practices, but also personally, we can use this guilt and we can use this shame um, to, we can use this guilt to better manage our lives um, in its most personal aspects, such as engaging with activities during the quarantine, such as talking with friends and engaging with them. So it's important to be cognizant of these things, of the mental health and of the inequalities in Latin America. And with this final note, I would like to finish this podcast. Uh, we had an amazing conversation. I would like to thank everyone for listening and for being here. I'd like to remember everyone that El Cafecito is available on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And I'll see everyone next week. Bye-bye and thank you very much. Bye.